listeners, and welcome back to the Oklahoma Today podcast, bringing you all the best our state has to offer. This week, we are very pleased to bring in Tracy Dolphin from the Oklahoma City Zoo to talk about not dolphins. Uh, no, Tracy uh, is the manager of Hoofstock, and she's going to be talking to us about our state mammal and uh, recent cover model on our newest issue, uh, the bison. But first, our entirely too topical question of the week, bison and fishtail flycatchers adorn sculptures, paintings, t-shirts, and more. What other local animals deserve to join the Oklahoma Animal Pantheon? First up this week, Nathan Gunner, editor-in-chief. Said it before and I'll say it again. Oklahoma deserves a longhorn. <laughs> That's true. Texas shouldn't get to have it because Oklahoma saved it from extinction. So longhorn cattle, come for me, Texas. I'll take you all on. <laughs> <laughs> Managing editor Carly Ibarra. Um, I would say both skunks and possums because people will treat them like they're trash animals, but really they are trash animals, but in a very good way. <laughs> they help clean up all the trash and they eat all the little pesties that you don't want in your yard. So they should be celebrated more, I think. I agree. Uh, photo editor Megan Rossman. Uh, I definitely think cicadas Ooh, good uh, one. belong on, I don't know. Something. <laughs> they Various bandanas and plate. knee pads. Yeah. I mean, I am acutely aware of their presence most of the time, <laughs> and they are always screaming, and, like, my cat keeps catching them in the yard, and that is a sound you will not forget when... <laughs> Wow. It's it's pretty gruesome. They so, also wow. tell the temperature, like how fast they, they chirp or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, cool. I mean, they're interesting little bugs. And they're, I mean, they're kind of interesting when you illustrate them. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like them. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Research editor Ben Lucian. I'd have to say the Bob White quail. Hmm. So Oklahoma used to be one of the best states for quail. Um, but... Uh, the population's been uh, winding down, mostly due to like habitat loss, and we can't have that because quail are quite adorable. I live with six of them, uh, including some recently hatched. I'm not. I don't think they're bob whites. They're like all white quail, and they they lay blue eggs. Huh. Yeah. I need to. I need to look up the species name of that one. A, it's a nest parasite of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't believe so. I believe it's a special kind of breed that my mm. my dad who is is a big uh, quail nerd uh, researched. That's uh, so so cool. now we've got so we uh, we've got all sorts of quail eggs at my house. If you need quail eggs, just let me know. Just send me an email, <laughs> listeners. Do you charge? Eight hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. That hasn't been discussed yet. That hasn't been discussed <laughs> okay. yet. Yeah. If it takes off, then yes. Oh, okay. These are the Gucci of quail. <laughs> it's quite I, expensive. I think Ben's just trying to get rid of them so that they don't yeah. hatch and make more noise in the house. I think that's probably. Mm-hmm. Hear that. Yeah, that makes sense. What about you, Greg? Uh, from a conservation point of view, I think uh, that we need to show some more love for the lesser prairie chicken. Mm. I th- yeah, I agree. One of my it's all-time a great, favorites. Mm, it's uh, a great I want to. I want to wear a T-shirt with the LPC on it. You know, LPC. <laughs> just just like just a little something extra to save some people from some uh, little birds from extinction. Uh, like we that. had tons and tons of uh, great comments. Uh, possums definitely got some love. Uh, <laughs> Mary Scott said, this was, when I was a child, I was taught this was the Oklahoma State bird, the mosquito. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, Jeannie Weeks said the armadillo. Uh, Nicholas uh, Scafetti said uh, the roadrunner. That's another one I'd love to see. Hmm. Um, D. Moore 
Morris said Bobcats. Uh, Billy Satterland, of course, the Mountain Boomer, the Eastern Collared Lizard. Great answer. Um, Bailey Downs uh, said uh, Coyotes. They're everywhere. You just don't <laughs> see them that often. Uh, and our buddy Tim from Rescue Dog Hot Sauce uh, said, of course, it should be Rescue Dog Maya. Uh, his, his gorgeous dog. He loves his dog so much. Yes, he does. Uh, um, now, <laughs> let's, uh, now let's talk to Tracy Dolphin from the Oklahoma City Zoo about our state mammal. And we are... Absolutely going wild today uh, with our good friends at the Oklahoma City Zoo. We are joined by Tracy Dolphin, who is the curator of hoofstock and primates at the Oklahoma City Zoo. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Tracy. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be talking about this. Awesome. Well, um, for our listeners, uh, tell us a little bit, what what does hoofstock entail? Right. So um, we like to just say that hoofstock entails um, those animals that have hooves. So when we're talking about hoofstock, the animals that have hooves, so anything from our bison to giraffe, um, to zebras, to okapi, to red river hogs. So uh, a large spectrum of animals. And and the being bound together by hooves, um, I, I'm guessing there are some kind of special needs, some special stuff the zoo has to do, particularly for those animals. Um, yeah, uh, so when we're talking about hooves, um, our animals that have hooves generally need some hoof care as well. So that's something that's very important. And one thing that our job here at the zoo is to ensure that all of our animals are healthy, both physically and, and um, mentally as well. And when we talk about that physical aspect, we definitely talk about taking care of their hooves. Yeah. I mean, if you can't walk, you, you can't live really for an animal. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. And if you um, if you look about the hoof care, but we also design our habitats around that as well. So we have some built in um, design to the habitat to encourage our animals to move, um, to wear down their hooves as well. Um, if you look out in our bison yard, you'll see that it has hills in it and slopes. And that really is, of course, part of the topography of the habitat, but also an essential part to keep our animals healthy. See, that's great. I, I, it never really occurred to me that the design of the habitat was also part of the animal health care. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I noticed uh, on the Oklahoma City Zoo website, uh, there's a story about taking care of Marianne, uh, the bison's hooves. Uh, what, what is the challenge with dealing with an older animal uh, uh, with hooves? Absolutely. So, so Mary Ann at 21 years old um, is considered geriatric. So really the life expectancy median for Mary Ann or bison is about 15 to 20 years. So at 21, we're really geriatric. So we have an approach not just for her hooves, but just for all of her comfort here at the zoo as well. So we monitor her hooves um, and like I said, built in where she's moving and walking around. But also when we do need to go in and trim hooves, our veterinary team will come in and we can immobilize her, which just means we give her um, some medicine that puts her to sleep. We can work on her hooves and she gets back up and she has a fresh new pedicure for for herself to uh, walk around the habitat as well. Um, And she's very calm for it. Uh, We do train with her. She trains in a shoot. She knows how to target. So we get up close and personal with her all the time just to be able to monitor her health. Yeah, I was um, I was really 
uh, honored, um, excited to get to get up close and personal with Marianne myself uh, at the Wild Encounter uh, last week. Um, tell me a little bit about how those experiences are designed um, and, and also, I guess, kind of what the underlying purpose is. I, I felt it was just really great getting that extra close look at an animal that is usually off in the distance and, and kind of being able to interact was it was really special to me, especially after writing the, the bison story. Um, absolutely. So our wild encounters really can connect our guests and get them a little bit closer than than they would normally see when they come to just visit at the habitat. Um, so Marianne is the rock star of our wild encounters. She loves to do it. Um, and but we look at it from both perspectives. We look at it. Is it really engaging for the animal as well? And is it really engaging and does it make that connection for our guests? So when you come out to do the wild encounter, um, you actually get to meet them and you get to uh, feed Marianne. And until you've stood that close to the bison and seen her tongue come out and take that <laughs> lettuce, um, it's it's a whole new perspective. And, you know, we have to respect Marianne's wishes. There are some days that she does not want to participate. Very rarely does Marianne never want to participate because she's a girl who loves her brows and her lettuce. And she actually enjoys the interaction with people as well. So, um, but there are days and we actually are getting our youngsters involved too. But that connection of being real close and that personal connection to an individual animal, I think is really, really important. Um, and from that connection, you you can kind of broaden that out to bison as a whole because you're not going to get that close to bison if you're at the Wichita mountains and we certainly don't recommend that either mm -hmm. so this is a really great safe experience um, to really get to know a bison on a level that you normally wouldn't get to know them on can I ask a question about that? Is there, um, cause I'm thinking about like my niece and nephew and how much I would love to do one of these. Is there like an age limit that you guys uh, kind of say like for people under this age or over this age, it's not a good idea? Um, we don't have an age limit. We just ask that um, depending on the age of the child that an adult accompanies them as well. Um, awesome. And we've had very young guests that come up and feed Marianne. So um, it's an experience that can be, um, you know, experienced by many different ages. I think I know some kids who are going to be doing it real soon. Then. <laughs> uh, I always look at the, the giraffe feeding as as kind of the, the first step into that because they are uh, so gentle. Um, and and uh, as long as you're not another giraffe. Uh, and, uh, and and really, I, I taking my kids out there and watching them uh, again with those crazy tongues, just like a giant <laughs> corkscrew basically coming at you wrapping up whatever uh, uh leaves and everything it's uh it really is awesome and then uh, what are some of the other wild encounters because uh it, it's definitely more than just the the bison yeah we definitely we have a wide range of amazing experiences so we have from our sea lions to tortoise to come out to um, do a wild encounter with bears and elephants and rhinos um, and also the bison. And I, I'm going to go through my head here and make sure that I hit them all. Um, I think there's uh, lorikeets. Lorikeets, you can come out and feed as well. It's not a wild encounter. Um, that's, oh, that's just true. to come into the, the aviary and, um, you know, a great, a great experience as well to have them come up close and personal. 
that's another one with kids that I think the, 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 the tiny, very colorful birds, they're very, they're a little skittish at first. And then that first one lands on your finger and it's just like, Oh, yep. And then you may have five on you all wanting that (laughs) nectar. So it is quite the experience, but it's all of those experiences that just really connect our guests to the animals. And I think that's, that's, that's incredibly important. That's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the, the zoo's bison population? How many are there? What age, what age ranges are they? Um, all that kind of stuff. Sure. So right now we have three ladies. So we have Marianne, who we've talked about, um, and she is 21 years old. And then we have our two younger bison and their names are Yarrow and Verbena. And they are both three years old. And yes, Yarrow and Verbena are named after prairie flowers because bison play such a critical role on the prairie. Um, And so we wanted to give them fitting names to tell a story for the bison as well. And that's, I, I love too, that this is part of sort of this, there's a big push at the zoo about not just, you know, cause you think of zoos as, you know, orangutans and lions and things that you wouldn't ever see in your own physical realm, but there's a big part of the, of the zoo that is dedicated to Oklahoma and helping people get to know the animals that live right here in our own state that maybe we don't always often get to see, or even if you do go to the Wichita's, you know, you don't get to get up close to, or learn as much about as as you might at the zoo um can you talk a little bit about about why you feel it why that's important and how that some of the reactions you've maybe seen to some of that mm-hmm. and so we do have a section of oklahoma trails that you're right is dedicated to just the wildlife of oklahoma um and as you mentioned even though it's in our own backyard uh, not everyone's going to be able to see all the wildlife that we have here and be able to experience and you know ultimately our higher purpose for zoo is conservation and it really starts in our own backyard so really understanding what is important what animals are here um, what are the important factors for conservation within your backyard and then that just that can spread out globally as well as what you're doing here can make an impact in Oklahoma and it can make an impact across the globe so I think the message is really important and can be applied to uh, a wide variety of um, situations. I love that. I love it. That's actually what it's one of the Oklahoma trails is probably my favorite part of the zoo. I really, I really, I, I'm going to say that it is one of my favorite. And I think because it does tie that note, sometimes we think about conservation happening elsewhere mm-hmm. and it really does start in your own backyard. Definitely. Yeah. The, uh, uh, our, uh, most recent where the bison roam story that I, I got to write, uh, in the new issue, really drove that home to me. I mean, I growing up in Oklahoma, bison are there on everything. We've got sculptures and murals and t-shirts and pins. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, we have visitors who come to the state and are like, okay, well, I heard about the, the bison are everywhere. Right. And it's like, ah, well, funny story about that. Uh, they almost weren't <laughs> anywhere. Uh, yeah. And so uh, that really did, that struck me. And, and what I learned both at the zoo and at the, um, uh, the folks at the the wildlife preserves in the state here really drives home just how precarious that situation, how close we were to losing bison forever. And, and, and then what a joy to get to experience uh, them up close and personal, uh, you know, without having to, to leave the city or leave the state. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's part of, um, you know, the zoo's mission is to provide those experiences and to give that backstory um, because not many people know the story. I mean, we all kind of know it on some level, but when you really dive into it and understand, and then the really, I think, cool um, connection for me is that it's one of the first conservation stories of reintroduction with zoos. And that is, um, you know, so zoos been doing conservation for a long time. That was really just one of the, the greatest and first success stories. The, uh, the, I think the story that hit me the hardest was when I was uh, reading through and I found all of the ads for the various railroads um, and the hunting by rail. Um, mm -hmm. And literally just the idea that there were people leaving bison corpses uh, all across the, the prairie because they were because they were in the way. Um, and then, you know, to realize that we got down to to like 500 or so uh, what um, dealing with these animals, I, I would assume that you get this question a lot. Um, why are they bison and not buffalo? Um, so in common language, we interchange the two, bison and buffalo. But when we talk about it from a scientific um, perspective, we have bison and buffalo, and they're two very distinct um, animals. So you're going to find bison in North America. You're going to find buffalo either on Africa or Asia as well. And their physical characteristics are different. Um, they're still herd animals, but there are characteristics that make them very different. Um, so when we talk about bison, you're going to talk about that big hump on the back where you're not going to necessarily see that um, in the Asian or African buffalo species uh. as well. Their horns are different. Um, they're not going to grow. Think about it. If you're in Africa or you're in Asia, you're not going to need that big winter coat um, that bison have. So those are kind of the differences, the main differences between the two. But when we talk about buffalo has been interchanged for so long um, with our history and bison, I think that's where the confusion lies. Yeah. Well, and I I've, I uh, was very interested to find out that both the word bison and the word buffalo have uh, similar roots uh, um, in ancient uh, uh, ancient languages about basically meaning beef animal. So, uh, you know, the idea that it all sort of goes back to the to the same thing is pretty interesting. Um, what uh, what is the schedule for those wild encounters with the bison? Is that a once a day thing? It is. It happens every day. Um, I think our at 1030 is the wild encounter when it starts. Okay. okay, so if people are interested in taking part in this, they're going to need to work with you guys in advance and, and register uh, for this because because, you know, you can't just show up and assume that it's going to be ready to go. Absolutely. So people can go to our website. Um, they can look and they can reserve a spot or when they come to the zoo, they can also stop up at guest services um, and ask about those wild encounters for the day. And um, our team would be more than happy to get you set up for those. Absolutely. So, uh, folks, you should definitely head over. It is OKCZoo.org. Uh, and if you go up to the top of the page there uh, under uh, plan your visit, there's wild encounters and it'll take you right there uh, so that you can uh, reserve online or uh, like Tracy said, head over to guest services and they can they can get you set up with uh, with what's available that day. But uh, Tracy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking to us uh, and, and really uh, thanks to everybody at the zoo for 
an amazing amount of help that you guys gave us uh, on the Where the Bison Roam story. It was uh, a real treat for me to write, and I really hope our readers are enjoying it at home. Uh, and, and again, thank you so much for coming on. And please do. I know there is more uh, hoof news uh, coming our way. Uh, I, I, as soon as I can uh, convince Nate that uh, for some reason, Oklahoma needs to know more about Okapi, which are my personal favorite out there, uh, then, then we'll have you back on there. No convincing necessary. They're vital. Oh, they're vital. You. It's, they're, they've got zebra bottoms. There's nothing wrong with it. It's so much fun. Uh, once again, it is okczoo.org, uh, and you're going to want to find those wild encounters. It is such a treat. Uh, and, and again, Tracy, thank you so much for And coming. the weather's cool again, so it's a perfect time to go. <laughs> exactly. Weather's beautiful. If you've been putting off a zoo visit because of the weather, now is the time to go. So I definitely know a couple little kids in Blanchard who are going to get one of the who are going to get up close and personal with the bison very soon. I'm very excited about it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Tracy. That was a really good story you wrote, by the way. Thank you. So it's a really good story it's on the cover of the current issue. Pick it up on newsstands. Now. It's just and it's so honestly, my story could be terrible. That cover illustration is so, so good. good. It, it'll sell. It's really good. <laughs> J.P. Brammer killed it. Yes, he did. Uh, all right. It is time for us to once again plumb the depths of TravelOK.com's calendars for our weekly pod events. And first up this week is Nate. I swear I could have been a country singer. I would have been such a good one, except for the fact that I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. I can't write a song. I'm not going bald, so I don't need to wear a cowboy hat and Wranglers make my butt look fat. And did I mention that I can't sing? All that aside, I would have been a great country singer. But when it comes to making sweet, sweet melodies with catchy pedal steel hooks, those who can do and those who can't go to music festivals. And Stillwater, with its inimitable contribution to country music, is having a doozy of a hootenanny with the Outside City Limits Music Festival at the legendary Tumbleweed Dance Hall, September 8th through 10th, with headliners like Ashley McBride, Randy Rogers Band, and Shane Smith and the Saints, plus many, many more. This festival promises to get your boots scooting, your heart pumping, and your inner country boy or girl jamming in the home of Red Dirt Music. If you have an RV, there are full hookup ticket packages for $500, but the un-RV'd among us can get a simple $50 to $55 ticket for a single day. As if one day could ever be enough when we're talking about country music. So for tickets and more information, visit calffry.com, which is the website for the Tumbleweed Dance Hall. That is fry.com. That is, uh, Tumbleweed is actually a really, really fun place to see a cool, show. Tumbleweed's cool, yeah. It's, I, I'm not a country guy at all, but but when I was at school in, at OSU, yeah, absolutely you went out to the Tumbleweed. It was just, it's where the party was. Yeah, man. That place is cool. All right. Next up is Carly Ibarra. Pite-sized pintos, teensy trotters, the itty-bitty Winnie committee, whatever you prefer to call them. The tiny horses are back, y'all. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> September 8th through 17th at Tulsa's Expo Square, the American Miniature Horse Registry National Show features the minuscule Mustangs competing in categories like hunter, jumper, obstacle driving, fancy turnout, and your new favorite Roman chariot racing. We're talking 1,500 slight steeds being adorable for 10 days straight. What are you waiting for? Giddy up and buy your ticket to this wee Western affair now. Call 309-263-4044 or check out facebook.com slash American Shetland Pony Club for more info. Teensy Trotters. Where did you Itty say that? Itty Bitty Winnie Committee. I will be laughing all day. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I 
thought this is of that why she's last so night. Good at headlines, folks. I thought of that last night at like eleven o'clock, and I laughed so loud oh, that man. Phil, I woke Philip up, and he was like, "What?" And I told him about it. <laughs> 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 photo Megan Rossman. What do you got? Well, pigs are some of our most underestimated animals. They're actually more intelligent than most dogs. They love belly rubs. They have more than 20 distinct vocalizations. They have excellent memories, and they will eat just about anything, including humans, which only seems fair since humans eat so many of them. (laughs) If everything goes according to plan, we'll be able to continue the tradition of eating these brainy barnyard beasts while listening to a bevy of Oklahoma musicians at Pig Fest in Wellston. The festival was Christian pig fest last year when one of the hosts cooked a succulent hog in the ground for attendees to feast on. From September 9th to September 11th, artists like Samantha Crane, Kyle Nixon, the 38s, Locust Grove, Rainbows Are Free, Hostie, and Carter Sampson are just a few of the locals who will be playing tunes at this large and laid back celebration that includes food trucks, vendors, and probably more pork. For information and tickets, visit pigfestok.com. There's a reason I chose that event for you, Megan. I I, I knew we were going to get some good pig facts. You mean Mrs. Ham? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yes, my my love affair with ham is well documented. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Ham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ben, what's your event this week? Well, we'll we'll continue the animal theme here. Um, mine, like Carly's, relates to horses, but it's not about. The horses themselves is about what the horses eat. And so hay is for horses. And of course it is. But horses force us to be their hay sources. <laughs> they neigh and they pray for their hay and their way. And we can't say nay. This reinforces the horse's sway. Which brings us to the importance of Inola Hay Day, September 9th through the 10th in downtown Enola. Of course, Inola's been noted as king over wheat growers, and the horses that gorges the gorgeous hay will graciously bray. So hip hip hooray for this glorious hay day. A car show, games, and live music they'll play. And what's that, you say? Make way for Inola's total hay parade? Oh, yay! The crowd, they says. They bob and they sway in the late summer light. Full on life, full on laughter, and full from the food vendors on site. There's sack races, hay mazes, frog jumps that amazes. You'll be as happy as horses with those morsels from the phrases. Best part of all, there's nay a penny to pay. The gates of heyday stay open for the day. We think you'll agree that's more than okay. Instead, withhold the payola for Inola's Roundup Club Rodeo. It's a bronc riding, barrel racing, and mutton busting show. Mission starts at $10, and we hope that you'll go. So, hay is for horses. We know that it's true, but they can't have their hay without help from you. So, if you can attend, well, that'd be plenty nifty. If you need more info, call 918 543 2650. Wow. <laughs> the commitment. The, I am I am in awe of the commitment. That was great. I think they just re- found a replacement for Dr. Suits. Uh, I think maybe they did. I think maybe I they think did. So. Greg, what do you got for us? <clears throat> I've, I've got a little poetry of my own here, folks. <clears throat> Roses are red and violets are purple. 
Sugar's sweet, and so's maple syrple. I'm the seventh out of seven sons. My daddy was a pistol. I'm a son of a gun. Oklahoma's own Roger Miller wrote those words in his song, Dang Me, which was recently named the best song Greg has ever heard by the Me Foundation, dedicated to me. Celebrate the life of Oklahoma's greatest musician. I'm not going to hear any arguments here. Uh, in his hometown of Eric during the Do Wacka Doo trail run on September 10th. Named for another of Miller's excellent songs, this trail run includes lengths of 5, 13.1, 26.2, and 50 miles at the Sandy Sanders Wild wildlife management area or come back the next day for gravel rides which you'll want to do on a bike and much like the theme of do wacka do i hope all of you enjoy it while i am off do wacka doing something less strenuous on these old bones <laughs> visit facebook.com slash group slash do wacka do trail run for all the info and that is d-o-w-a-c-k-a-d-o do wacka do also just go listen to that song that's just a great song it is a great song i would say i i i'm i'm, I'm gonna raise you king of the road Oh, oh, don't you worry. We're yeah. getting to that reference. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for it. And the sound of no phone, no pool, and no pets means that this episode of the Oklahoma Today podcast is coming to a close. So join us again next week, or if you just can't get enough, head to oklahomatoday.com, and you can pick up our latest issue on newsstands right now. Just look for the gorgeous bison cover. Send your feedback to oktpod at travelok.com, and we will talk to you again next week. The Oklahoma Today podcast is a production of Oklahoma Today magazine and the Oklahoma Tourism and Recreation Department. Your hosts are Oklahoma Today editors Nathan Gunner, Greg Elwell, Carly Ibarra, Megan Rossman, and Ben Lucian. Theme song editing and production held by Oklahoma Today's production manager, Bridget Sloan. For more information, visit oklahomatoday.com. Goodbye. Aloha.